Bonjour, you cheesy surrender monkeys, and welcome to the Super Fun Happy Hour podcast, episode three. Tom and James here with an award special. Are you excited, Tom? I'm actually very excited. I love these, this whole awards thing. Have you got your tux on? Um, no, at the moment I'm in a hoodie and trackies, but it's the spirit of the thing really, isn't it? I suppose so, but you'd probably get fruit thrown at you if you walk down the red carpet like that. Good thing I'm not on the red carpet, James. No, no, that is a good thing. It's only uh, a matter of time, though, before we're receiving the People's Choice Award for Best Podcast. That's, that's the dream. That is the dream. <laughs> uh, on today's, well, this podcast even, um, Tom's going to be going over the Brit uh, Oscars. I'm going to be going over the Brit Awards. We have our own awards, dubbed The Happies. Yeah. Uh, Tom's got two film reviews, Slumdog Millionaire and Hellboy. Am I correct? Yes, that's right. Um, plus we've got The Simpsons episodes to look at and anything else that we can think of. Anything really? It's um, a bumper edition. It's a packed episode. Yeah, it is. Um, before we carry on, I've got some listener feedback from the last episode. Really? Yes. It's from, <laughs> it's from Gilbert Holland Lloyd. Wow. I, did you just make that up? No, honestly, this is a genuine email. Uh, he spelt your name with two M's, though. Oh. Yeah, but he, okay. says, hi, he says, hi, Tom and James. Thanks for an amazing podcast. I like the little bit of Mr. Bean impersonation you do towards the end. That was me, I presume. At the end of episode two, when you tell all the news livers to say hi. Keep up the great work. It's great to hear two ordinary guys chatting about what's happening in TV, film and others. Thanks again, Gilly. That's wonderful. Oh, Gilly. I know Gilly. Everyone knows him. Yeah. But um, that was nice of him to... It is. Thank you, Gilly. Yeah. So, it's nice that we're reaching people. Oh, and I've got a shout-out, actually, for this episode as well. All right, then. Just um, quickly, it's not really listener feedback, but um, there's someone who's been supporting this podcast from the very beginning, and I want to say a big hello to them. You know, just any time they're listening to it, and that's me. So, hello, Tom. Um, me, if you're listening somewhere else, which you probably will be at some point, thanks for supporting me. I actually have our podcast on my iPod, and whenever I go, I thought, I could listen to that. No, I did that when I was working around Cambridge one time. <laughs> I just like the way the picture changes in the uh, in the little bit. That's a good point, actually. Um, episode two's enhanced podcast was a big success. Yeah, it was. How many uh, downloads did we get off iTunes for that? We got quite a lot. I don't know the exact figure, but it was. I can't get the figure at the moment, but okay. um, it was quite a good amount. Um, a ballpark figure, you know. Mm, we do this in two versions: enhanced and an MP3 version. So. If you see it, in, if you've got the enhanced version now, I'm going to show up a picture of a chicken. <laughs> there you go. There's a chicken for you. Wow, look at him. He's so majestic. Well, that's a good chicken. Let's talk about the Oscars, Tom. All right, then let's do. Um, the Oscars were on last night. Did you stay up to? What happened with the Oscars? How did you view it? Uh, well, I started watching it on Sky Premier mm -hmm. HD, mm. and um, I. Sky Premier is the only channel on our Sky that doesn't work all the time. It loses signal, and it lost signal just after the... Um, what one did Tina Fey present? That was the best... The, those were the best screenplay awards. That's the way it went after that. So I started watching it online, but then I thought it was a bit boring and tedious, so I went to bed. That's fair um, enough. And sort of caught the, uh, the results the next day. But uh, that's all I saw of it. 
Sorry, were you getting some interference on your mic just then? No. Oh, I heard some sort of rumbling. Oh. Maybe it's an earthquake. Yeah, that's curious. <laughs> okay, well, we'll keep going. Um, yeah, the Oscars, um, I managed to stay up to watch maybe half of it before I fell asleep on the couch. Um, my mum woke me up the next day telling me that Slumdog Millionaire had won eight Oscars, which I was kind of annoyed about because I wanted to see for myself what was going on. But to be honest, we could have predicted it anyway. Mm. I mean, it was a complete landslide victory in Slumdog's favour eventually, but I couldn't help me being disappointed with the overall ceremony itself eventually. I mean, I it was well... Sorry. Sorry, carry on, carry on. Well, it was well done. It, you know, it looked great, and it just didn't have that much magic on the night. And the, there were absolutely no surprises, and I was really upset that Mickey Rourke didn't get his Best Actor award. Yeah. Um, I mean, Sean Penn's good in Milk, but I would have preferred Mickey Rourke. And I was, well, obviously, I'd be, I was very upset that In Bruges didn't get the Best Original Screenplay award. I was. I was annoyed that Bruce wasn't nominated for more because I watched that last week mm-hmm. and Love Film finally sent it me and I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of the films that were heavily nominated as well this year. And I thought Bruce was probably up there with a lot of them, so that's disappointing. Oh, yeah. disappointing. Definitely on a par with, well, definitely above par with films like The Reader and Benjamin Button, which I didn't rate really. Mm. I haven't seen and that yet. Which, either of them? Um, no, I, I kind of want to see Benjamin Button. But a lot of it's, people have said it's it's a bit rubbish. Well, I'll, I'll get to that later because it's in one of my awards. Okay. But, meh, yeah. Um, I think the whole ceremony was... It was fine. You know, you could say it was fine and... Obviously the most prestigious one, so it's really about the results more than it is the show itself. Yeah. And I'm, I was really happy to see Slumdog take the um, take all those awards. The problem I had was back here in the UK, the journalism coverage wasn't great. <laughs> First of all, like well, I watched the Sky One. I watched the Sky One live from the red carpet show. Did you catch any of that? I didn't know, but you told me about it. It was really quite amateur. Um, they had Fern Cotton presenting from the red carpet, and that was fine, but. You know, some of the some of the editing were it was just it seemed very throwaway and very amateur, which was a problem. Mm. Especially something like the Oscars, which you think, you know, maybe a bit more effort should have been put into it. Mm. Then having Gok Wan on the panel for half the night. <laughs> Gok Wan, does he have any credibility when it comes to films whatsoever? It is the probably the exact equivalent of sticking someone like I don't know really in a French class. Yeah, or Steven Spielberg on London Fashion Week, you know. Mm-hmm. That. But that's a good point. I love Gok, but yeah, that didn't make sense at all. But, uh, one thing I did actually pick up about the Oscars, uh, what I didn't like was, I don't know if they continued it on for the whole ceremony, <coughs> but um, for the Best Supporting Actress, they had, I think, the previous winners come out. Five and, of the previous winners, yeah. Yeah, talk about each nomination. I didn't quite get that. It was. It was really it was, slow. Hmm, well, that's that's the thing. It was. It's it's a noble idea, and it could have worked well. The problem was that it was very bloated. Hmm. They did that for best supporting actress, and you, they did it for the acting awards, basically. Yeah. They didn't do it for the others, but yeah, you're right. It was. 
it did slow it down, and that's that's the problem with the Oscars more than anything is that they pad it out with too much non-essential th- stuff. You know, mm. when I when I I thought the Baftas were a much more refreshing and classier affair actually this year. Um, two hours, you know, it's easy it's easy to watch. It's not it's not as there's not as big a thing of it made, and at the same time, you know, it's it's a British ceremony, so it's slightly more close. To, it's slightly more close to the heart, mm. and I really did enjoy the Baftas a lot more than the Oscars this year. Yeah, who had Especially the best? Who had the best speech? I think best the speech Oscars. at the Oscars. Yeah, I have to say, Danny Boyle made a great speech. I loved his Tigger jump. When yeah, he came on. I thought that was just the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life. The fact he did it for his kids, that was awesome. Yeah, the, the slum the slum dog speeches were all very good. There's one that I'm missing. There's one that I'm trying to remember. There was a good speech somewhere. I can remember. It's just in the back of my mind. And someone made a great speech, but unfortunately, I can't remember who it was. The thing, the thing that I've got another problem. Well, not really a problem, but the problem with the journalistic coverage afterwards was um, someone. Someone was saying the awards would be much better maybe if we held all the technical awards on a separate night or in the afternoon before the actual Oscars. Mm. And um, on one level, I agree, because at some point they're going to need to cut the running time down. I mean, it's four and a half hours. It's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, with all those stars there and everything, that's the only place that the Oscars are now the only place. You know, you don't get it at the Golden Globes. You don't get it at the BAFTAs. That's the only place where technical awards get you know a big light shined on them and when you see we and also like the best um the best short documentary the best um the best short um animated film and things like that it's great to see such well small time people pick up awards in front of all that and get such big recognition for obviously work that has more, arguably more work put into it than some Hollywood films, mm-hmm. and that it's really nice to see that. And so I think that they should keep that in. Just you know, the sound mixers aren't going to get attention anywhere else, and it, the Oscars are their night as much as anyone's. Yeah. Well, one thing I did pick up on it, you know, they could cut it down a lot. You know, it did. It was padded out a lot, uh, like a lot of the um, like the VTs between and during like the nominations. They could have been cut down incredibly yeah. by about, and of course, it's in America. You get all the commercial breaks and things like that. I think that's the advantage the BAFTA has as well. But you know, mm-hmm. they could, if they really put their minds together, they could cut it down and make it a lot, you know, a much more watchable show because it is, yeah, exactly. it is really tedious at some points. I mean, some of it's great as well. I mean, it's good. It was, it was a mixed bag for me. There was some really good moments. I mean, there was a Seth Rogen and James Franco comedy montage that did really well. Mm-hmm. And um, it it was um, it basically featured um, it had them renting all the comedy movies of 2008, and they'd be sitting on the couch in character from Pineapple Express and watching these films, <laughs> and um, d- discussing them seriously. And then they'd be watching the nominated films, so things like The Reader. And obviously they'd have it on a very upsetting or dramatic scene and they'd just be sitting on the couch laughing at it. (laughs) And I think that worked really well. And some of the pairings that night were really good as well. I I, I like the sort of thing they've got going on. They had had Tina Fey with Steve Martin. That was brilliant. They had Jack Black with Jennifer Aniston, which worked really well. Mm -hmm. 
they had Ben Stiller with Natalie Portman, mm-hmm. and it was it was it's nice to see Hollywood being so brought together, and I liked that side of it. But yeah, things definitely needed to be cut down. Definitely. Uh, what about the host, Hugh Jackman? Mark's he didn't do his bad job at all as I thought he would. I'd give him a good solid seven. Thanks. He's Wolverine. How dare he? I'm not the hugest fan of Hugh Jackman, but he did well. Uh, so overall, overall it was a good ceremony. Um, I would have liked to see, you know, maybe one or two underdogs get something. I mean, in, in the spirit of Slumdog Millionaire being the film of the year, you know, it's a real underdog story. Yeah, it would have been nice to maybe see a couple of surprises on the actual night of the Oscars. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay. the biggest shock that anyone got was, well, probably. Sean Penn winning Best Actor because everyone thought Rourke had it. Mm. I must admit, I haven't. I still haven't seen all of the wrestler all the way through, but for what I've seen of it, it's an amazing film. Well, it's just it, that's Mickey Rourke, isn't and, it? Yeah. Someone who's messed up their career and someone who's just broken down and has been, and that's that's almost no offense to Rourke, but that's almost what he is. Mm, exactly. And I that, don't think that, there wasn't anyone more perfect. I don't think to play that part than him. You know, because mm-hmm. obviously the actor can relate to the part. Oh yeah, so well, I mean, You know, I think this will be the film that he is eventually remembered for. It would be nice. It's a fitting one that he will be remembered yeah. for. Cause it's a brilliant film for what I've seen so far. I will see the rest of it at some point this week. Even though not many people cite Sin City as one of his films anymore, and I still think that he was amazing in Sin City. Oh yeah, I forgot he was in that. It's he been did really long... well with that film. It's been a long time since I've seen Sin City, but yeah. that, uh... I forgot he was in that. But he did really well in there as well. Mm. Excellent. Okay. Thought... Um, um, yeah. Anything else to mention on the Oscars? Not at all, really. Um, not at all. Um, I'm pleased with it and look forward to next year when hopefully they'll know what they're doing a bit better well after 81 shows you know they'll get, they're going to have to they're going to have to shorten it down at some point uh, fantastic thank you Tom for that it's great look into the Oscars no problem live from your mp3 player it's the happies welcome to the first annual Super Fun Happy Hour Podcast Awards, dubbed The Happies. Um, we're not live from anywhere. We don't have a ceremony. Nor well, do we we're have... live from our rooms. Well, this is a live, though. It's not a live show. It's we're a live right now. Okay, fine. Live. Yes. Okay. Oh, we don't have any celebrities here. Um, although I do have Simon Pegg as Sean sitting on my desk. I've got... Well, I've got pretty much nothing. Okay, well, all right, we'll leave it at that. Yeah, um, okay. We split the awards into into three categories, if you like, and each one of those has their own categories: music, TV, and film. I've taken music, Tom has taken film, and we've both taken TV. Um, we have voted these on our own merit, not overall merit, um, and it's really sort of the last 12, 18 months. Yes. Um, so, Tom. I think we should yep. start with yours, the films. The film awards? Yes. 
Okay, it's the only one you need. If anyone has recorded the Oscars, just delete them because this is it. <laughs> this is the one. Um, we've got five categories tonight. Um, the first category we're going to be doing is best film, regular guy edition. This is five films that you wouldn't see in any Academy Awards except for the technical ones that were made over the year that weren't meant to be winning awards but were just meant to entertain. And the ones nominated tonight are Rock and Roller, the Guy Ritchie film. Hellboy 2, The Golden Army, Role Models, Step Brothers, and Horton Hears a Who, the adaptation of Dr. Zeus's story. Okay. Shall I reveal the winner? James, if you could please reveal the winner for Best Film Regular Guy Edition. Okay, and the winner, and the happy for the Best Film Regular Guy Edition goes to... Role Models. Terrific. Um, yes, bravo. Yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, the stars of role models could be here tonight. So, uh, Tom, will you accept the award on their part? I will be accepting the award of the people. Can I just uh, make this clear, by the way? Um, I have the list in front of me, and James has the list in front of him. And it's l- like a envelope opening thing. He has the results of the. F- he's going to be announcing them. He doesn't know. You don't know what the results are at the moment, uh, no. do you, for the film awards? No. Um, but same for you for the music. Same for me for the music, but he's going to be revealing them just so we get, just so we get a you know a sense of opening the envelope. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, shall we move on to the yeah. worst film category? Yeah, sure. Um, well, I just want to say a short bit on role models. Um, it was um, released just over the new year in England, and it's a very very good comedy film, and it was my favourite thing. Although I would like to say that I thoroughly enjoyed every single other one on that regular guy edition list. Okay. Excellent. And I was considering, I was considering Horton Hears a Who as the winner for a while, but I took that off. But it was a very pleasantly surprising film. Excellent. Okay. okay. The, the worst film award. Worst film award. Um, the ones nominated for that are The Happening, Max Payne, Sex and the City: The Movie, Mamma Mia, and maybe slightly undeservedly, but I wanted to make a point with this: The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Ooh controversial <laughs> I like it and uh, the winner of the worst film goes to The Happening Now <laughs> said next uh, very deserving very very do, deserving do you think something happened in that film I something happened I'm just not sure what they intended The Happening to be mm. okay we'll move on to the next category best actress in any role Best actress in any role. Um, I was going to do supporting and leading, but oh. we wanted to keep it. Uh, uh, no, we. What? Ladies and gentlemen, this is a technical issue. Okay, we have these in live shows. I tell you, you do the. Uh, you do the. What's wrong? Nothing. Nothing. We're getting confused. Are we? <laughs> yeah. Do, Why? Do your, just do your next award, Tom. Your okay. Next award. Best actress in any role. I was going to say I wanted to do the best leading and supporting, but we wanted to keep it down to five. Right, okay, that's where I got confused. Oh, okay, okay. now I was gonna... <laughs> you need to let me finish my sentences, James. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but, um, okay, those nominated for best actress in any role are Rebecca Hall in Frost Nixon, Ellen Page for Juno, Tilda Swinton for Burn After Reading, Taya Leone for Ghost Town, and Marissa Tomei for The Wrestler. And the winner is... I can't get my envelope open. Oh dear. <laughs> Rebecca Hall for Frost Nixon. Yeah. yeah, it, yeah. 
Rebecca Hall's a relative newcomer. Um, she's in Frost Nixon. She plays David Frost's love interest for it, and um, she's in the film Vicky Cristina Barcelona, playing uh, one of the title roles of Vicky. Um, she's a British actress, and I, she's gorgeous, first of all, and she's really good, and I think that she's going to do really well. Excellent. Yeah. Right. Best actor award. Best actor in any role. Um, this was definitely the hardest decision I had to make. Um, just because all of the performances in this one I really, really enjoyed. And um, Okay, the, the nominations are Brendan Gleeson for In Bruges, Ray Fiennes for In Bruges, Frank Langella for Frost Nixon, Mickey Rourke for The Wrestler, and Gary Oldman for The Dark Knight. And I want to say just before, um, I know that there's um, been one... You know, I, I know that there's one particular glaring omission that a lot of people will point out in that category, James. Um, that's the absence. That's the absence of um, Mike Myers for the Love Guru. I oh. want to apologise for that. <laughs> but um, uh, you know, we, we got to keep it down to five, and so those are the five I chose. I love the degree of sarcasm you have in that. <laughs> By the way, if you don't know what we're on about, I believe the Love Guru is on Sky Box Office at the moment, but I wouldn't tell you to pay for it. So, no, please don't pay for it. Download it off the internet. No, don't well, do that. No, don't, don't download it off the internet. Just take our word for it. Yeah, okay. And the winner for the best actor in any role goes to... Oh, well done. Brendan Gleeson in Bruges. Yeah. In Bruges. Bruges. In Bruges. Sorry, whatever. <laughs> I'm not going to go there. It's a... it's... Bruges. A... Bruges. There's only one Bruges. Could be two. Oh. But in Bruges. Um, in Bruges. My, fa my favourite film um, of quite a while, and Brendan Gleeson was absolutely superb in it. I... And... I have to What's agree. Wrong? I have to agree, yeah. actually. Um, I think Brendan Gleeson is possibly... I, I've seen him in a couple of films, well, more than a couple, a few films, um, and two of my top five films are ones he has starred in 28 Days Later and in Bruce. I think he's a very good actor. I think he deserved that top. Well, he deserved oh, thank it. you. Well, I, I know my films. Oh, okay, and... Now we go on to the coveted best film, the happy for best film. Oh, this, um, well, I'm sure that any of the any of the directors of these films will be hoping to get it. Um, okay, so um, the nominations for best film are Frost Nixon, famously directed by Ron Jeremy. <laughs> um, in Bruges, um, written and directed by Martin McDonough. Slumdog Millionaire, directed by Danny Boyle. The Wrestler, directed by... Oh, God. I had his name just a minute ago. I've got David Fincher in my mind at the moment. Um, um, oh, God. What's wrong with me? I'm looking I'm it up just, on Wikipedia, don't worry. That was, that was jo John Favreau I've got in my head. Why can't I think of this man? Wikipedia's not loaded. <laughs> <laughs> Darren Aronofsky. That's, That's it. it, yep. yep. It just yep, loaded. Got it. It's popped up, yep. <laughs> And <laughs> The Dark Knight, um, okay. Christopher Nolan. Okay, and the happy for the best film goes to... The Wrestler. Oh, yes. yes. Oh. It was, um, I had, I had In Bruges pegged for quite a while, but I've said my piece on In Bruges, it's gotten enough attention, and I really think that The Wrestler was absolutely fantastic, and it, need, it is the best film. Okay. In Bruges might be my favourite, but The Wrestler was the best. Okay. 
Excellent. Well, that was all the films done. Yeah. Excellent. Those are all your film awards. Um, just a quick rundown of the winners. Sorry, James. Um, but we got Role Models winning Best Film Regular Guy Edition. The Happening was the worst film. Rebecca Hall in Frost Nixon was the best actress. Brandon Gleeson in In Bruges was the best actor. And The Wrestler was the best film. Fantastic. Okay, now we move on to our regular Simpsons segment. Um, something that we've had absolutely no critical reception from, so we assume it's great. Um, we're going to count down a few of our top 20 Simpsons episodes every week. Um, and this week we've got three absolute... Well, obviously they're all absolute classics, but these ones very well known in the Simpsons fandom, wouldn't you say, James? Definitely. Uh, we're at number 13s to 11. <coughs> so. 13. Okay. Uh, unlucky for some, but... Uh... 13's my lucky number, actually. Is it? I was born on yeah. the 13th, so... I was born on the 26th, so it was double the luck for me, really. Ah, see? Deliberate yeah. pun again, ladies and gentlemen. Deliberate pun again. You heard it here first. We're going to change the name eventually. I'm going to break <laughs> you down. Super Pun Happy Hour, coming next week. I think I found a title for this episode. What's that? Puntacular. Oh, God. <laughs> moving on, moving on. Simpsons okay. and at number 13 Homer Badman Homer Badman um, probably it's got one of my favourite no moments. sorry it's not Homer Badman it's Homer's Phobia Homer's Phobia <laughs> I thought it was um, oh, Homer's Phobia um, an absolute classic episode just because it's so high concept I mean it's got such a simple idea behind it but it works so well mm-hmm. and that's Homer worrying about his gay well, it's that, and obviously Homer does have a phobia. He's a little bit homophobic. So I think it could be a little bit of more of a, a social commentary on America in general. But yes. it's own little Simpsons twist. But yes, um, a lot of memorable moments when Homer's trying to straighten Bart out naturally, and they all yeah. backfire on him, the gay steel mill. <laughs> that was one of my favourite moments in The Simpsons ever. We work hard, we play hard. Dim, 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 dim. Um, th- that's probably one of my standout Simpsons moments the ones that will always stick in my mind um, yeah definitely um, hey, I love that episode it's, it's uh, plus John as well John the gay man is a great character he's a great one time character isn't he he is a great one character probably one of the um, the best I think in my opinion the best all um, time great character will be Hank Scorpio. Absolutely. But I think John would be up there in top five. He's a wonderful character. And um, yeah, I love that episode. I can't, I have a problem talking about Simpsons episodes. I just don't know why, because I always say I love them all. And I do love them all. But uh, Well, getting that list down to 20 was hard enough. We were allowed to love them all, James. Yeah, that's true. That is true. It did take us 90 minutes. The best 90 part minutes, of. people. But uh, yeah, Homes Phobia season eight. Um, one of the best ones actually on season eight. Yeah. Um, for me, season seven was a bit of a wasn't one of the better seasons. It was a very good season, but wasn't as good as season six. And season eight brought it back up again. Um, yeah. And I think Homes Phobia is one of the standouts. One, I think. Okay. Uh, Number 12 on the list, the only Treehouse of Horror one on our list, but it's got every right to be there. 
Treehouse of Horror 5, which is the season 6 one. Yes. I'm wondering. Um, off the top of my head, it's got the shitting in it. Shinning? Um, oh, God. Homer to the Future, is it? Or something like that? Yeah. I can't remember. Time and Punishment and... Time and Punishment, yep. yep. Uh, what was the other one? It's the Nightmare I, Cafeteria. That's the one, yeah. I'm just thinking what, what situations was Willie in when he was getting <laughs> hit by the axe. That's a great joke. Yeah, it was one of my favourite running gags. <laughs> just for an episode. And Maggie's um, Maggie speaks of that episode, courtesy of yes. James Earl Jones. Um, I can't believe they got him to do that. Just one line in the whole episode. Well, he's done a couple of um, things. He did The Raven when they did the reenactment of The Raven. Oh, did he? And uh, he did uh, the voice of Darth Vader in um, in uh, Round Springfield. So oh, he's fantastic. he's been in a couple of times. So that was really great. You know, this is this is indeed a disturbing universe. <laughs> it was my message to him for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I I do like the Treehouse of Horror episodes, and I I do like the newer ones as well because they're. They're non-canonical, and you know I could relate to them a lot better. You know, it, they could get away with a lot more stuff than they do in the real world, in the real sort of Simpsons world. You know, they could kill off characters for a comedy effect. They can't do that in the in the real Simpsons world. So I think that's what makes the Treehouse Horror episodes a bit more special. Um, plus, um, well, you say you say that. Um, I remember. I think I remember one time where they killed off a character for comedic effect outside of that, and that was Doctor Nick in the Simpsons movie. I don't know if he's been in the um, uh, series since, actually. No, I actually, I actually researched this, and um, <laughs> they did actually kill him, but then they brought him back. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. Get you. But yeah, Dr. Nick dies in the Simpsons movie. Yeah, in case you didn't know that. Yeah. Bye, everybody. <laughs> um, but yeah, the Trials of Horror episodes as well, I think what I like about them as well, they know they, there's only so much... That they can get away with showing, and they have really pushed the boundary, of... especially in that episode. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, the fog at the end. <laughs> I love that song at the end. That was horrific. It was horrific, and uh, I think it was that actually that scared my little cousin. And he was only eight at the time, but you know he watched yeah. The Simpsons all the time, and you know he was seeing Homer getting hit by a car and things like that, and. See that it genuinely frightened him, and I thought, you know, kids are going to watch this, and they're pushing the boundaries so much. Um, but it's a that is the best Treehouse of Horror episode. Absolutely. Um, well, well, and just, it's got some excellent lines in it. I mean, it's not all just, um, you know, that um, the gag where Homer is going through time. Wow, I'm the first person. I'm the first non-Brazilian person to travel through time. <laughs> Uh, I think if people don't get it, is that there was a Brazilian scientist or something like that? Or no, it was an yeah. author, wasn't it? Was it a scientist yeah. or an author? I honestly don't know, James. It, it was one of it those. Was a Brazilian guy. It was a Brazilian guy. I think it was an author who wrote loads of books about time travel. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I like that that gag too. It's quite a subtle gag, but it's a very good one. Um, what was the other one as well? Uh, Grandpa's wedding advice as well. What was that? If you ever travel back in time, don't step on anything. Oh yeah, the fact that Grandpa Simpson gave that to Homer as his wedding advice is brilliant. <laughs> um, yeah, I love that episode. Uh, number eleven, another season six one, Homer Badman. 
which has one of the best moments in Simpsons history ever, which is Homer's edited interview with on Rock Bottom. <laughs> <laughs> I love Rock Bottom, the whole idea of the show. Um, so many segments in that, a, a, a sex farm for sex hookers. <laughs> <laughs> Round bag. Um and I like the little twist at the end as well when, you know, Homer's completely forgotten about everything that's happened and he's laughing at Groundskeeper Willie, which was the one who who pretty much saved the whole situation, I think, for him. Yeah. And how Homer's not learned anything from the situation. <laughs> um, but interesting fact for you, uh, you know the bit where um, Homer shakes up the, the, the coat with the yeah. uh, soda pop, you froze it, the explosion. Apparently they had to choreograph that. They got an action director in to do it. Why? I don't know. Apparently they wanted to make it sort of like a bit like Die Hard dish. That's fantastic. Apparently that's what that's what I can remember. Um, I'm not sure what source I got it from. It might have been the commentary actually, but um, I think that's what happened. And if it if that did happen, that's amazing. But if it didn't happen, why yeah. didn't it happen? <laughs> you know. But I think that did happen. If that's true. Is it? But um, there's a lot of great gags in that episode. Um, yeah. Definitely one of my all-time recommended Simpsons episodes for anyone. Yeah. Wanted yeah. to watch one. Homer Badman, season six. Yeah, definitely. Uh, <laughs> and that episode as well, where he's opening the door to everyone. And the guy on the penny farming kicks him. Oh, yeah. Drive <laughs> the old-time bikes. <laughs> I just, I really like that bit. It was absolutely hilarious. Yeah, great episode. And it's got some actually great lines in it. One of my favourite ones, uh, just Marge, um, when she did it, will you two stop saying gummy? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I like a Simpson scandal update. Homer sleeps nude in an oxygen tent, which is believed to give him sexual powers. That's a half truth. <laughs> oh, yeah. I always wonder, I always wonder what part of that is true. Does he sleep got... in a tent or does he believe that something gives him sexual powers? And I've got I've got to mention um, quote this one bit which is um, when they're watching the Simpsons house live on the news, and then they're giving a regular update and they say Mark Simpson put the dog out, whether it was harassed or not we don't know. <laughs> Maybe because it was harassed that's it. Yeah, it's a great, it was a cat actually, but yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, yes, another terrific line. There's a lot of great lines in that. Um, it's quite a sensitive subject as well, really. Sort of sexual harassment, but um, I also like what happens to Homer's car. <laughs> Nothing ever blows yeah. over for me. The helicopter comes and knocks the car over. I like to cut <laughs> to the next morning and the car's still on its roof. Um, yeah, love that episode. I wish I put it higher now thinking about it. Well, I, I suppose the, um, the good people at home are going to have to forgive us for that and let's hope that our next ten of a lot better. Yes. Um, yes, that's it for The Simpsons. Uh, we have uh, episodes 10 to 8 next time. So join us for that. Uh, before, we, before we leave the topic of The Simpsons, this week, or last week, uh, The Simpsons was broadcast for the first time in high definition. Which meant a new title scene. A new title scene. Um, and just to give people a perspective on that, They've had the same title sequence since was was it season two? They've had the yeah it, the the one that was pretty much the whole bulk of the season came in at season two. Yeah, and that's um, been going since season twenty. 
Yeah. Which is, well, it's a long, long time. It's 20 years, isn't it? Yeah. IT in 20 years is a very long time. Um, but of course, because of the animation, the way it was made, it was never designed for high def and widescreen and things like that, so they had to remake it. Um, I was disappointed with it, but I can't say I wasn't going to be. Um, you know, I just don't know where to begin. <laughs> What's wrong with it? The pro- one of the things like the problems I had with it, they bloated it a bit too much with the secondary characters. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it, that, for me, that's that. That was my sort of bit, bit of a grievance with it. The original uh, sort of um, sequence was the Simpsons getting home to watch TV and with all this stuff going on around them in Springfield. That's what The Simpsons is about. It's about The Simpsons living in Springfield around these characters. The new sequence has The Simpsons going home to TV, but it's also telling all these other stories as well. So it's no longer about The Simpsons. It's about the whole of Springfield. Yeah. That's what's disappointed me. It was the same with the Simpsons movie as well, which is why I won't rate it as highly as... <clears throat> I, I, won't, I won't admit the Simpsons movie is great, and the more I watch it, the more I like it. But they took um, they took the Simpsons away from Springfield and the secondary characters, which is what made the show great. And they took it away from that, which is a bit disappointing. Um, and it's the same thing with the, uh, the opening sequence as well. Um... But it does look good in high definition, though. It, uh, it yeah, I've I've heard only good things about the standard of animation. The animation has got a seriously well. The animation I think really peaked sort of between sort of season seven to ten when they had the the, the sort of normal painting ink. But when it went on to digital painting ink, it's become a bit more stuttery, and the animation hasn't become sort of as fluid as as it used to be. But colours and lines and things like that it looks great and it looks brilliant in high def um, it's a shame the show wasn't that good mm, I've heard nothing but bad films about the actual quality of the episode um, I won't spoil it in case you haven't seen it but don't hold your breath okay so there you go The Simpsons in HD it's like a dream come true for me <laughs> to a certain extent to a certain extent yeah <laughs> Okay, now I'm going to hand over to James, who has his take on the Brit Awards, the night where music... It's the mu... What can you say? The music BAFTAs? Yeah. 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 Um, sadly, it wasn't as good as the BAFTAs. Um, no. It was... The performances, I think, saved the whole show. Uh, I've got a lot of a lot of big arguments, big grievances with the, with the whole uh, ceremony. Um, from the nominations to the hosts um, to some of the performances as well. Um, you know, well can, we, can we just back up for a second? Sure. What's wrong with Horn and Corden? Um, they're not as funny as they think they are. The problem is, is that they were standing up there with Kylie Minogue and Kylie Minogue is a big, big superstar and they were acting so childish around it. At times, you know, maybe it was part of the act, but at times Kylie looked kind of uncomfortable around it. And, you know, I never laughed once, really, at mm. them. So I thought that was really disappointing. I have to say, I've got, you know, James Corden's a bit hit and miss with me. I thought it was hilarious on Buzzcocks, but, you know, the Brit Awards, he wasn't so funny. And I think someone at the end of the line somewhere messed that up, and I was disappointed. Um, fair enough. 
Uh, performances for me, the best one was undoubtedly the Pet Shop Boys at the end. I'm a huge Pet Shop Boys fan. Um, and they were joined by Lady Gaga and Brandon Flowers of The Killers. And um, they were both brilliant. Brandon, for me, stole the whole show because he's such a he's such a fanboy when it comes to the Pet Shop Boys. He's mentioned them lots of times in interviews before and served to be up there with his heroes. And he made sure, you know, it wasn't something he was going to regret. And he was absolutely fantastic. But um, Lady Gaga was great in it as well. Um, she took the place of Dusty Springfield in what have I done to deserve this? Quite a hard role to do, but it was fantastic. Um, I can't remember who else performed us. Quite a bit of a blur to me now. Coldplay were excellent. Uh, Viva La Vida was, uh, was brilliant. And Coldplay was so unlucky not to go away with anything that night. They were just, I was shocked. I was honestly shocked. I, I will talk about it in a minute. That is my <laughs> biggest grievance I have with the whole thing. Uh, take that. Um, their, well, their show was brilliant, but the fact they mined was disappointing. Um, you know, I don't know what Gary Barlow's excuse for that was. You know, if he would have sung it live, then it would have been a brilliant performance. Um, apart from that, um, not really ever great sort of standout performances. I thought Ting Ting's and uh, Estelle was quite good as well. They um, mixed American Boy with, that's not my name, but apart from that, performances were average. Um, the awards though, my God, I cannot believe Coldplay <laughs> just didn't win anything. It was really bizarre actually, looking through the who was nominated and who, who was awards. I wouldn't have called 90% of those. Well, I I did some nominations versus there. I got five right and six wrong. Mm-hmm. So I was quite. Some of them was quite shocked about. Um, but yeah, Coldplay not winning. Yeah, I really thought they were going to win Best Live Act. But who won in that eventually? Iron Maiden. And this is the confusing oh, yeah. thing. This is the confusing thing that Radio Two listeners voted for that. And Radio 2 listeners don't strike me as Iron Maiden fans. My dad listens to Radio 2 and he's not an Iron Maiden fan. So No, my, my dad listens to Radio 2 and, well, he just doesn't know music. Uh, unless they're all closet Iron Maiden fans or they're in on some sort of conspiracy, but I really thought... probably Cold one of those crazy internet <laughs> yeah, movements. Probably. It wouldn't surprise me if that what it was. That, that would probably be the only reason for explanation, but Coldplay should have won that. Um, best British album. I'm I'm surprised, but at the same time, I'm not surprised about it. Um, Duffy won it with Rock Ferry. She's had a great year, and that album was her debut album, and it's put her into like the spotlight not only over here but in Europe. US, I think it was like the second biggest selling album of 2008 all over the world. Um, I did want to want, I did, I think, in terms of quality, um, Coldplay, uh, Radiohead were definitely better than Duffy, but because it was her debut album and it's done so much for her, I think it could be argued that she did deserve it. But if it came down to quality, then Coldplay, I think, should have won it. and. The other big shock for me was um, Coldplay not winning British band. Yeah. Best British group. Elbow won it. Who, um, 
well, by all accounts, a good band, but better than Coldplay. But what I argue is that how many Elbow songs have you heard in the past, what, 12 months? One or two. One or two. How many Coldplay songs have you heard? You can't move for Coldplay songs. Exactly. That category is representing the best British group that represents mm. British music. And surely Coldplay did that last year. You know, they went all over America, all over the world touring. Elbow really just sort of stayed in Britain and picked up um, the Mercury Prize for their album. But They used, um, the Oscars used Coldplay in one of their montages, actually. Well, that's a good point. If you would have said Elbow at the Oscars, then yeah. like, who? Elbow who? Everyone knows Coldplay, <laughs> so I think uh, too many critics are loving him with Elbow at the moment, and that's mm. a bit disappointing. Um, apart from that, yeah, the rest of it wasn't too surprising. Uh, big congratulations, uh, congratulations to Katy Perry actually for, for winning International Female. Because if you think of the year that Pink and Beyonce, they both had comeback albums, uh, Gabriella Kilby had her debut album and her song was everywhere. Um, she was did well to win that. And mm. I, I, I want to stick up for Katy Perry because she gets a lot of criticism. But for me, I Kissed a Girl was one of the best songs of last year and it didn't need all the controversy to get it to number one well yeah when people seem to have this big problem with Katy Perry and when you know objectively she writes good pop songs mm -hmm. she has good pop songs and that's it but well, that's a good point you know her music is brilliant and at the end of the day that's what an artist's uh, work well, to be what, about that's what they're for that's what they're for you know they're not talking about homosexuality and things like that no it's, it's got no place for it I think and I do believe that Katy Perry's success has somewhat been impacted on that but um, apart from that a uh, couple of other grievances as well Kings of Leon winning both international group and international album um, for me Kings of Leon have sold out big time you know yes they had a huge following but they weren't a mainstream following it was really sort of a that sort of rock, alternative rock following, but now they've been launched into the into like the mainstream charts now, and that's the only reason why they won um, album and best international group. I thought Day and Age by The Killers is a, a pretty much a flawless album and should have won best album. Um, I was disappointed with that. Um, apart from that, the Brits this year were very very disappointing, and they have been doing so for about three years now. So. They've got to do something really special next year to, to get it back on track. What, in your opinion, is the place to go for good music awards then? Do we have, is it the Grammys? Well, the Grammys is overrated as well. There is... Uh, and the MTV Awards are... Because the, the majority of the MTV Awards are voted by the fans. Yes, you could argue that they're the true awards, but with the age of the internet, you know, there's going to be vote rigging and things like that. Don't tell me it's NME. <laughs> again, it's yeah. enemy. Enemy, though. Uh, again, it's it's all on internet voting again. So I don't think there is a definitive um, music awards ceremony. Really, but, but then again, the Brits have never been, I think, all that serious. I think ever since no. um, you know the early eighties, you know, it's been disappointing. And I think you know. It should try to be more like, more like the BAFTAs, you know. I think music does, is, is as important as film. 
Um, and they should have a decent award ceremony. I'm not denying that the Brits is a load of rubbish. It's not a load of rubbish. Uh, I think they should hold it every year, but I think they should try and stop making it too sort of mainstream and make it a bit more serious. And it would be a lot better, I think. No, I agree. And when you think about it, in the in the Oscars, you know, there were certain films nominated. Maybe before they'd been nominated, films like The Reader and Frost Nixon, people might not have actually heard of them. Exactly. And with the BAFTAs, you don't really seem to get that. Mm. With the BAFTAs, it's, well, Coldplay and Radiohead and Kings of Leon. Mm. And Katy Perry. Yeah, that's a good point. But uh, oh, I must say, I was actually very, very happy with people who did actually choose the awards that scouted the girls didn't get any awards. <laughs> I was, You've got a, you was got a big thing against scouting for girls, haven't you? I hate them so much. And it's not because I hate them. They're probably really nice girls, but their music is awful. And the fact that it's loved by so many people is terrible. It annoys me greatly. Well, if... If the list you gave me a few days back is anything to go by, I'm sure we'll be hearing a lot more on them a bit later on. We'll see. We'll see. Um, overall, though, the Brits, disappointing, but I wasn't really expecting that much from it, to be honest. Well, that's fair enough. Um, but Coldplay should have won at least one award. I'm agreeing with you. Uh, I feel sorry. I mean, feel sorry for Chris Martin. Really I've got to say, actually, you're the reason that I've started to listen to Coldplay really a lot now mm. um, just because your well insistent love for them has been projected onto me and I've I listened to Viva La Vida a couple of times the album not the song even though that is a terrific song and I got the EP I then managed to get hold of their entire discography from one of my friends and really it's well they're an amazing band they are. They do get a lot of criticism, and I do see where the criticism comes from. But if it clicks for you, which it has done for many people around the world, you know, it's not. They're not like Radiohead. Radiohead do take a certain amount of listening to get into. It took me a long time to get into Radiohead, but Coldplay are a lot more easier to get into. Um, but they do have a lot of depth to their songs as well. Um, but I do just say to go to the Brits though, they did deserve at least one award because those awards are representative of British music in the past year and Coldplay were at the front of all of it and they didn't get an award. I think that's terrible. Now we move on to James's Music Happy, um, the Happy for Music Awards. We've got how many categories in this one, James? We've got five categories. We've got the best band artist, best album, best song, biggest disgrace to music, and worst song. Brilliant. Okay. Um, well, how about you introduce the first category? Uh, the first category is the best band or artist. And uh, the nominations are Coldplay, The Killers, Fallout Boy, Little Boots, and the Ting Tings. All of them had fantastic years, haven't yes. they? Well, Little Boots more three months, but she's gaining attention though. I mean, it's very fast momentum. Yes, agree. Uh, she's going to be big this year. Anyway, if you would okay. uh, do the honors, please, Tom. Okay. Um, so we got best band slash artist. 
and the happy goes to Coldplay. Oh. Um, well, I'll, I'll quickly explain this. One, they've had a great year. And two, it is a pity award because they didn't win anything at the Brits. Don't worry, Chris Martin, this is the award you really wanted. Okay. No, so. it is, Chris Martin, um, and we'd be happy to get any feedback from you. Yes, so if you're listening, Chris. Well, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> best album time. Um, album. Just a quick note on this. I had... 11 shortlisted for this and I had to whip it down to five um, and the winner for this award which I chose uh, I completely forgot which I don't know if that says something about the album but <laughs> I remembered it and realised what an impressive album it is anyway the nominations are Viva La Vida or Death and All His Friends by Coldplay uh-huh. Day and Age by The Killers Folia Do by Fall Out Boy you don't know what you're getting yourself into by Does It Offend You Yeah? And Alas, I Cannot Swim by Laura Marley. And okay. Tom, if you do the honours, please. And the award goes to Alas, I Cannot Swim by Laura Marley. Marley. Yes. Well done. Um, it's, <laughs> it's her debut album. She's only 18 and she's writing songs which even the best songwriters in the world should be very proud of. Um, it's a truly magnificent album and deserved the I think it was nominated for the Mercury Prize as well last year and I think that for me was the winner um, I did forget about it but it was at the very very back end of the uh, very front end sorry of last year um, and of course I had all these bigger albums coming and it did tuck away itself but I listened to it again and reminded me what a great album it is and uh, I look forward to a second album and it comes well recommended so terrific Excellent. Uh, the best song category. Um, best song. For this one, I had too many get, uh, nominations for it. I had to whittle it down. Hundreds. You had hundreds. Four or five times, and then I got to about seven or eight. Um, and in that seven or eight, people were saying, oh, no, that shouldn't win. And it was really annoying me. So I decided <laughs> on the uh, final seven. I did try to get five. I couldn't get there, so I did seven. Okay. Uh, the nominations are... Shut Up and Let Me Go by The Ting Tings. Viva La Vida, Coldplay. Uh, I Like You So Much Better When You're Naked, Ida Maria. Disturbia by Rihanna. Love Song by Sarah Borelli's. Shut the hell up, Tom. Okay, seriously, <laughs> seriously, shut up. Spaceman. What's wrong? What am I doing? Sp- quiet. Spaceman by The Killers. And Just Dance by Lady Gaga. Tom, if you do the honours, please. And the winner is... Spaceman by the Killers. Yes. <laughs> um, reason being, I could sum this up in a sentence. It's a better single than Mr. Brightside. I'm, I, I'm agree. It's got the one of the best choruses I've ever ever heard. It is a truly magnificent song. It's got so many influences in it. You know, it's got a big David Bowie influence and Brandon Flowers. Sorry, I should be very proud of that. Um, moving on. Moving on. The biggest disgrace to music award. There was only one nomination. And one winner. And one winner. And that was Scouting for Girls. No contest. Moving on. <laughs> I, do you want me to explain, or do, is there no need for explaining? I don't think. Uh, 
Go ahead, go and have a rant. Um, Scouting for Girls are a band, air quotes, who took last year by storm and Radio 1 are practically us licking them at the moment. <laughs> and anyone who, with a degree of sense, would listen to them and realise even though their songs are fun and catchy, they're the wrong kind of fun and catchy. They're really irritating. They repeat the same things over and over again. My guess is the songwriter used Microsoft Word and went c- completely nuts with the copy and paste function. <laughs> so that's my two cents on that. Moving on. Okay. And the worst song award. Um, these songs are just awful, awful songs for one reason or another. And the nominations are. Heartbeat by Scouted for Girls. All Summer Long by Kid Rock. She's So Lovely by Scouted for Girls. Sex on Fire by Kings of Leon. Hallelujah by Alexandra Burke. Stay With Me by Ironic. And Ghost Town by Shiny Toy Guns. And Tom, if you could do the honours. And the happy for worst song goes to... She's So Lovely, Scouting for Girls. Boo. Um, it's the song that set it all off really Um, arguably that Elvis is Elvis ain't dead sorry Elvis isn't dead Elvis ain't dead isn't as offensive as uh, She's So Lovely same with Heartbeat but um, of all the songs on that list though they're all awful Um, Kid Rocks all summer long well done you've realised that two songs sound quite exactly the same they've got the same chord progression and everything (laughs) here have a medal for it um, Kings of Leon, Sex on Fire, totally sold out. Um, Hallelujah by Alexander Burke. I don't get why that song was chosen. I really don't. No. Um, I think we move on from that. Uh, Stay With Me by Ironic, again, an awful song. Um, sampling one of the best songs uh, ever written from the 80s and just went and ruined it. Um, and Ghost Town by Shiny Toy Guns. A lot of people who know me know I love, I love Shiny Toy Guns, but. That song on their new album summed up the whole album for me. It was... I don't know what they were trying to do with that, but it was not very good at all. It reminded me a bit too much of High School Musical. (laughs) But uh, listen to it and you'll see what I mean. Okay. Um, So just to go over the winners and losers, if you like. Uh, Best band and artist was Coldplay. Best album, Alas I Cannot Swim by Laura Marling. The best song was Space Man by The Killers. Uh, worst song was She's So Lovely by Scouting for Girls. And the biggest disgrace to music was Scouting for Girls. I'm widely expecting them to win that next year as well. <laughs> Unless they've broken up. Which I certainly hope they will, if I have anything to do with it. Okay, as usual, Tom has a couple of movies to review, or films to review, depending on which country you're listening to this in. Um, <laughs> Good save. Thank you. Uh, I, you're going to be reviewing Slumdog Millionaire and Hellboy. Is that correct? Yes. Okay, take Yeah, well, I'm going to be reviewing the Hellboys, so both films. Okay, well, take it away, Tom. It's your, it's your turn. Okay. Well, in the spirit of the award season, um, it, most every man could predict that Slumdog Millionaire would be the talking point of the award season, so I thought it fitting that I, I honour it tonight. Um, the one problem that I've had with it recently is... Oh, you just can't move for people talking about Slumdog Millionaire in this country, can no, you? No. And to be honest, it's kind of annoying. I mean, it was a good film, but 
at the same time there there were other films out there this year yeah. and uh, my uh, my my love for the film dis uh, was disappointed disappointingly dissipated um on the lead up to the um awards just because of how many people were talking about it and just couldn't be bothered anymore really but um son of a millionaire when i first saw it well it's it's an absolutely spellbinding film really i'm going to keep this short and sweet but it everyone does an excellent job on this film there was i you can't fault it really the one problem i had it had for me it's got a nine out of ten rating on my film reviewing website by the way um but it's got a nine out of ten rating. The main, the, the what, the sort of niggle that I had with it was the love story that's holding this whole thing together. And he goes on the show specifically for this love story. It just wasn't substantial or believable enough to hold an entire film together. The love story wasn't. Well, it was. It wasn't. I I didn't feel it. Um, other than other than that, it's a smart film. It's got a fantastic script. It's harrowing. It's beautiful. It's oh, it's one of the best fairy tales to come out of film in years. So well done to it. It deserves its awards. And yep, yeah, Slumdog Millionaire, an excellent film. Next up, it's um, my review of the Hellboys, Hellboy films. Um, both of these films actually, actually quite highly rated in, in the world of critics. Have you seen either of them, James? James? Yeah, I am listening. Okay, have you seen either of them? Um, I've seen the first one. I haven't seen the second one. What did you think of the first one? What did you make Very of good. it? Very good. Very good. I didn't think I'd yeah. like it as much because it's not really sort of my sort of film. But I thought it was very, mm. very good. Very good. And I, I do plan to see the second one. I might stick on my love film if it's out on DVD. Yeah, I really, really rate the Hellboy films. Um, I'm a big fan of Guillermo del Toro. Um he does some really fantastic work. I mean, he he made well, he made one of the blades a good film, mm. which is no easy feat in itself. Mm. And um, Pan's Labyrinth, obviously, terrific film. But um, Hellboy is maybe his best known work. It's um, a Hollywood, it's Hollywood fodder, and it's really it's fantastic. The first film is a bit darker. The first film's a bit grittier, and the first film is arguably slightly better i think that's got more historical relevance the second one's a bit more contemporary and still very enjoyable uh, i mean i love them both and i'm saying that the first one is only very very slightly more enjoyable mm -hmm. and the second one is absolutely fantastic as well it was a real um it had one of my favorite moments of um in film of the year which was Hellboy and Abe singing Can't Smile Without You by Barry Manilow. Which sounds... Well, I, I'm sure you can imagine for yourself yeah. um, a huge six-foot demon and an amphibious man-beast singing a Barry Manilow single. I mean, it was, it, it was probably one of my favourite moments in film of the year. Both of them are absolutely fantastic films, and I think that someone like Del Toro, who makes such well vibrant films and ones that obviously mean a lot to him um it's they're really quite they're really something special um because really thinking about it hellboy should have been a bad film mm. and i think that the 
Hellboy would have been a bad film if you'd taken away the historical relevance or the heart that Del Toro put into it. And I think that under most other direct most directors, it would have it would have crumbled. So I'm glad that it was in the hands of Del Toro, and it's a very very terrific film. And that's my piece. Excellent. Okay, so both films really recommended. Oh, yes. all three films, even. Well, all three, yeah. Okay, thank you very much, Tom. Uh, next week, uh, any idea what you're going to be reviewing next time, Ethan? I honestly don't have a clue. Um, what's the date right now? The 23rd. We're recording this on the 23rd. The 23rd. Hold on, I apologise for the noise. I'm just going to open up my calendar for a second. Okay, it's the 23rd. Uh, by the time we next record, Watchmen will have been released. Ah, I'm very interested to hear someone's opinion on that because I can't make my mind up about it. Okay, well, um, with any luck, I'll be reviewing Watchmen by the next recording. Excellent. Thank you very much, Tom, for those wonderful reviews, as usual. Thank you. Okay, now it's time for the Happies uh, television category. Um, This category has only got four categories in it. Has it? Yeah, I think it has. Best show, best character, best new character, and best episode. Yeah, four yeah, characters. Okay. Four categories. Yeah. Okay. Uh, me and Tom have both decided on this one, um, which I think is uh, fair, really, because we both watched an equal amount of TV. Uh, so it's best series, best character, best new character, best episode. So, Tom, if you'd like to read out the nominations for best episode. The nominations for Best Episode are, James, The Constant, Lost. Um, hold on, I've just lost my list. Give me a minute. Um, okay, The Constant, Lost. Jughead, Lost. My Lawyers in Love, Scrubs. Advertising, Charlie Brooker's Screenwipe. And Thomas, Skins. And the happy for the Best Episode goes to... The Constant Lost. Well, very deserving. Yeah, um, brilliant episode. Uh, probably my favourite Lost episode. Uh, and summed up season four for me, the way Lost should be. Season four was brilliant. And that's the best of the best, best of the, of the lot. Desmond's episodes are always of such a high quality. I mean, it's always no surprise. Uh, yeah, but that one in particular was fantastic. Wonderfully written. Brilliant. And the ending between Penny and Desmond... I welled up, I'm going to admit that. There was a few tears in my eyes, believe me. Tugged on my heartstrings. So, Uh, so, best new character? Best new character. Um, Feel free to introduce this one, James. I shall. Uh, Daniel Faraday, Lost. Denise, Scrubs. Stephanie Gooch, Scrubs. Cook, Skins. And Jay, The Inbetweeners. Tom, if you do the honours. And the winner is... Denise from Scrubs. Well, um, <laughs> James is a big admirer of Denise, aren't you, James? I, I loved her from the moment I saw her. Um, she's a brilliant character. Um, she's very sort of feisty and has so many great lines in the show. And I look forward to seeing more of her. I would like to, um, well, just say that... Um, the, the ones that I managed to coerce James into putting in Cook and um, Jay from Skins and the Inbetweeners 
both very good British actors and really both quite fun and amazing roles. So thank you, James, for allowing me to even give them slight recognition. It's not a problem. Not a problem. Uh, congratulations, Denise. Yes. Um, best character. Now, um, Tom, if you do the honours, nominations, please. Okay. Um, the best character nominations are Ben Linus for Lost, Desmond Hume, Lost, Chris Turk, Scrubs, Lionel Hutz, The Simpsons, and James Linus has only got four in it. It was Jack Donaghy for Thirty Rock. <laughs> Jack Donaghy, Thirty Rock. Yep. Um, and the winner for the best character was Chris Turk, Scrubs. Oh, well done. I thought you wanted Desmond. Um, I did in a way, <laughs> but I, I, I. This was a hard one because they're all brilliant. No, they are. They're all. Um, and I just want to say that Lionel Hutz made The Simpsons for me. And um, even though what did happen to him was a tragic incident, but it is—it was quite poignant, really, that when he left the show, the show did sort of start begin to fade. Mm. Um, but uh, Lionel Hutz was a truly great character. But Chris Turk, Turk is a fantastic character, and it showed in the episode he went missing in series eight. Now he's back. I know he was—he really was. I, to be honest, I missed him more than JD. Yes, I did too. Um, I just want to say one thing. Actually, I want to ask you something. God, how how do you feel the characters of Troy McClure and Lionel Hutz would play out today if you know they were in modern Simpsons? Uh, well, if Phil Hutt was alive, that is. Yes. Um, with the current writing staff, I'd worry that they would have turned him into uh, well, the biggest one of the biggest problems, sort of uh, around season thirty, going towards seventeen. Or when Mike Scully was really showrunner, yeah. is that they kind of made more emphasis on like sex jokes and things like that. And I would have felt that Troy McClaw would have been for that, really. I mean, we've seen that before, you know, when he was Hercules in uh, <laughs> in the uh, the erotic adventures of Hercules. But that that was wonderful. Yeah. Um, but I think if he was still alive today and Troy McClaw was still there, I think that would be his major emphasis. I think really. Which is not what the character was about. No, it's not. Um, okay. Moving on now to the best series. This is the big one. This is the award everyone wants. Yes. And the nominations are Lost, Scrubs, Top Gear, 30 Rock, and The Inbetweeners. Me? If you made Top. <laughs> and The Happy Goes To. Lost. Oh, <laughs> uh, what can we say about Lost? Well, first of all, I'm glad you clapped because I didn't know who won and I was trying to guess between Lost and Scrubs. <laughs> <laughs> How did you not know who won? I don't know. I couldn't remember. I like, lost the list. Oh, okay. <laughs> you lost the list. That's a good pun, that. <laughs> well done. See, we totally scripted that to make that pun work. Yeah, See? we did. Yeah, um, but yeah, Lost is a terrific show. Uh, ever since I started watching it about six, seven months ago, I've become slowly more obsessed with it. Um, I love it. Yeah, um, same here. I mean, it's you, you're not. Gonna, there's more character development than any other show on television at the moment. It's 
it's completely character driven and it's well it's just fantastic isn't it yeah definitely um well deserving i think of the award and um can i can i just ask you to repeat uh, can you just tell me again that um that was a deliberate pun just tell me again that it was a deliberate pun it was a deliberate pun yeah they should call this the super pun happy hour Sorry, I was just looking at this tumbleweed drifting. <laughs> I thought it was good. Anyway, moving on. So <laughs> Thank you very fun. much for. Well, that was the uh, the happies, the first ever annual happies. <laughs> Over for Super another year. Happy. Yes, next year should be really exciting. No, it should be. Because this this time next year, okay, we Scrubs will be over, Lost will be into its final season. Well, that means it's just going to sweep the awards, doesn't it? Oh, it's just going to be crazy. Um, who knows what music will be up there? Yeah, I know. Um, this time next year, people could actually care about the awards. Yes, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> uh, but thank you very much for listening to The Happies. We'll see you next year. Thank you. Oh, bravo. Round of applause. Right, now it's time for our top three people of the week or fortnight I've noticed that we've incorrectly spelt that for every time we've done an episode it's not a week really it's a fortnight or I told you I wanted to keep it as a week to have the same ring to it okay we'll keep, we'll keep it as a week it could be ironic it, it's being ironic by the way we know it's not a week okay yeah. okay um, so I did number three last week so you could do it this week Tom okay number three this week is Danny Boyle Okay, I think obvious reasons. Obvious reasons, um, Slumdog Millionaire. He made amazing speeches at the BAFTAs, the Golden Globes and the Oscars. He made a terrific film in Slumdog Millionaire. And he's only ever put the occasional foot wrong in his career. I mean, he's just made the most fantastic movies of almost any genre, uh, every genre. Hmm. I mean, um, you're a big 28 Days Later fan. Huge, huge fan. Huge fan. Have you seen Sunshine? Yeah, uh, again, a high, brilliant, highly rated film. Yeah, Mine. and Train Spotting. Yeah. Um, Millions, which I really enjoyed. I haven't seen Millions. The Beach, which, as a, just the problem with that more than anything is Leonardo DiCaprio's highly unlikable character. Yeah. Um, Have you seen? Did you see The Beach? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I saw it. That's right. The other week, actually. Think about it. Um, but still, a fair sort of drama. Mm-hmm. And um, I know I'm missing a few things, but those were his main works. Um, all in all, just a terrific British director, and I'm so glad that he's done so well on such a good film. Excellent. Yeah. Um, my uh, number two person of the week. Um, you obviously go with someone who was big at the Oscars. I'm going with someone who was big at the Brits. Not for the awards, uh, but for his performance. I mentioned it earlier, Brandon Flowers. Oh, um, Not only did he look wonderful at that ceremony, but not, when he introduced the Pet Shop Boys, you could tell it wasn't scripted. It, it was spoke from his heart. And yeah. Because he's such a big Pet Shop Boys fan. And I think when he was growing up, he told a story about how you know, when he was shopping for a CD and his, his mum would only let him buy him one, it was a Smith CD or a Pet Shop Boys CD, which incidentally, the same Pet Shop Boys CD he bought was the same one I bought. It was my first sort of 
intro to the Pet Shop Boys. That's fate. It's fate. Um, you know what else is fate? What? Jack and Kate, but that's for another day. Uh, see, Jack and Kate, it flows just, better. Just continue, just continue. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> We're not going to discuss that. You know, I'm right. Anyway, Brandon Flowers. Um, yeah, he came from his heart. And um, performance-wise as well, he came on and delivered a brilliant performance. And the problem is with the killers is that the reason why everyone says they hate them is because they don't perform well live or Brandon Flowers is a bit weak live. But I thought in that kind of situation, if you were standing there with your boyfriend and heard heroes live to the whole of Britain, possibly around the world as well, and he delivered a great sort of, he delivered a great vocal for the song and, you know, to cover a, a great song like um, It's a Sim and West End yeah, um, was a great honour for him and he did it really, really well. Um, plus, I think he deserves the credit as well because The Killers have had a great year. Day and Age is a brilliant album. And um, did, did, we did squat when they should have done. So, Brandon Flowers, number two. Excellent. And I introduced number one last week, so go for it, James. Okay, number one this week uh, is Ellen Peck. Uh, as we know, famous for such roles in uh, Juno, which was nominated. Uh, she was nominated, I believe, in your happy. She was for Juno, um, which was released um, just within the year spectrum mm-hmm. on a wide release in the UK. And. Um, she is um, a very, very talented actress, um, quite new um, to my attention, so um, a budding star, you could say, and um, I'm sure we're going to see a lot more of her in more serious and challenging roles. Definitely. Well, she has had a number of good roles, yeah. um, and I think you picked up on it um, last time we talked about Ellen Page, that, you know, she was, you know sometimes the only good part of a bad movie you know she played a good part in you know which overall not so good movie um what was that i can't remember you talked about on the last podcast uh smart people tracy fragment and basically all the films (laughs) any Um, any any film that she's been in she was good in basically yeah um but that's not to say every film that she's been in doesn't mean all the films were rubbish i thought juno was really good no, I really like Juno as well. There's plenty of haters out there for it. Which there is. Unfortunately, seems to be a trend these days when a film does well and gets a lot of success. There's a huge backlash every time now. Yeah. Um, Twilight, I think, can be off the top of my head. But I haven't seen that film. I have no plans to see that film. So it's uh, uh, all down to person's taste. But well, these days, if you tell someone you love The Dark Knight or Juno or things like that, you, it's not going to get that good a reception anymore I think it's cool not to like the big films yeah definitely it's cool not to like anything commercial I think yeah and that's wrong it's the same for film and music really isn't it definitely there's a lot of commercial bands out there people uh, don't like Uh, you know admittedly I I'm one of them obviously with Kings of Leon but I'm not saying that I don't like Kings of Leon at all because some of their earlier stuff was was quite good but they the people to profess to um, not liking mainstream bands and things like that would more often than not cite, I don't know, Radiohead is one of their favourite bands. Yeah, I who agree. Who, technically speaking, are probably one of the most commercial bands in history. 
yeah you know these people say all oh, these bands like oh what bands do you like I don't know um, and I'm just trying to think of some really low key bands I'm going to make someone up on a coffee mug um, yeah felt tip pen and oh and Radiohead yeah you, know, you could like all these underground bands but if you cite Radiohead as one of your favourite bands you're being a bit of a hypocrite you know so there's nothing wrong with liking mainstream music there's a reason it's so popular yeah Definitely. And there's a reason why Coldplay and Killers and Muse and Radiohead and the Beatles were so big or are yeah. so big. It's because, you know, they've got there because they've got the critical acclaim and the commercial success as well. At the end of the day, you know, that's what makes a band. And also, those people that say that, you know, they don't get into the music industry for the money is a liar. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, if you write something which you are... It's, insanely proud of um, you'd like you know to be paid for it is an added bonus you know mm-hmm. so but uh, we've gone really really off topic Ellen Page number one well you know it's nice to have these ramblings it's a, I think I think if we'd have stayed on topic all the time people would know what to expect and we want to keep throwing curveballs that's very good that's a and very that's good what, point and that's why I'm going to say fuck right now just to lower the tone slightly and put us off on a tangent because I forgot to bleep your last fuck in the last one, I had to put the explicit tags on the iTunes one, so now we can swear as much as we like. Really? Oh, but yeah. I'm going to miss the bleeping. Well, we can bleep it if you want. All right. <laughs> don't, don't give me a challenge, please. It's hard enough. I had to like, scan through it at the right second and just beep it to get, to get the fuck in. <laughs> Um, I believe that is really it I think yep Um, I don't have anything else to say apart from thank you and um, you know let's try and get this bandwagon moving and see if we can get some proper fans emailing in definitely um we we appreciate it we welcome it um we're also on twitter the podcast itself is on twitter it's probably the best best way to find out what's going on um something i do want to bring up we're probably going to start it next week if not next time sorry or the time after we're going to be holding a pop quiz yes Uh, we need to get a couple of the rules and uh, the setup all ironed out but it's going to be me versus Tom versus guest um, yes so if you're listening um, and you would like to take part you can email us at the usual address super fun happy hour that's all one word at ymail.com and um, also we're going to need a separate adjudicator to give us the questions because James and I are going to be taking part in this that's a very very good point so we might need a fourth party we're going to need some questions being you know, emailed in or organised that we can probably arrange at a later time. Definitely. Uh, we'll, we will, we'll iron that out. Um, yeah. But just so you know, if you are interested in it, you will require uh, Skype, which is free to download, um, and a microphone, uh, and preferably a quiet background. Yes, please. Uh, because uh, we strive ourselves on being half-decent. So... Um, so yeah, get in contact if you are interested in that, or get in contact if you are just want to get in contact with the show. Um, would you like to sign off, or I'd like you to sign off. Okay, I can tell you've got something planned. Um, anyway, join us next time for the super fun happy hour. 
we've been making Happy House and Bitterly Ironic since 2009. Hope you've enjoyed listening and uh, see you next time. That'll hold a little SOBs. <laughs> <laughs> Just hold on a second. My dad wants me. Okay. <laughs> it won't be a second. Um, do you want me to talk? Um, I know you can edit this out anyway, but I'm going to talk. Okay, you talk about the next film. Okay, I'm, I'm not going to talk about the next film, but I'm going to speculate as to what James's dad might want from him. My, my, I don't know. Maybe he hasn't hoovered. Maybe he's, maybe his dad's just trying to work out how to work the HD. We've already heard how James cruelly pressured him into spending his own money to further James's intent on technolifying his house. That's not a word, is it? You know, Jack Shepard isn't that good a character. Um, kind of run out of things to say now. I'm not good at improv. Uh, coming up, I'm going to be reviewing Hellboy and Hellboy 2. Those are both good films. What were you doing? What were you talking about? I was, do- I was doing nothing. I was just sitting here nonchalantly. I swear he won't leave me, al- he you- won't leave me alone. <laughs> what does he want? He was saying, oh, come and have a look at this on the telly. I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> was it porn, James? Sorry? Was it poor? No. no. Okay. Don't be stupid. Right. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Was it Ron Jeremy, James? Be quiet or I'll come over to wherever you live and slap you. <laughs>